Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that is raising the bar on craft cocktails. I'm your host, Louise Solace, and with me, who is it? It's my very, very talented friend. She often pours happiness in a glass. She is the mixtress, DC Gina. <laughs> Welcome. Hey, Gina. Hi, Louise. How are you? I don't know. I feel a little um, lightly intoxicated just by the day. <laughs> Is it me? Is it is it me? It is Tell you. me it's, it's me. It's, Tell it's me it's me. It's the look of you across this, gazing across the screen. So many miles between us, longing <laughs> to be together. <laughs> it is true. COVID keeps us apart, that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you made COVID a girl and I made COVID a man. <laughs> Either way, he, she, it, it all sucks. They. Yeah. They, COVID is sexless. <laughs> it, it, it is for many people, I think. <laughs> Anybody but your spouse. Moving on. <laughs> Start the episode. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So um, I'm going to ask you a little question. Did you know that every letter in the alphabet has a history and a symbolic meaning? No. Did you? Did you? Okay. No. So today's guest has inspired me to take a little journey down the letter H. Okay. So in early, early writings, they have found like around the 1500, like 1500 BC, they have found in the writings that the letter H, the symbol H actually symbolized a fence, a gate. Makes sense. Kind of looks like one if you think about it. Um, Very practical. Makes total sense. And throughout time, the letter H has reappeared in many, many languages and has become the letter that we know today. But it also has more spiritual meaning. Um, and there's actually a couple different symbolic meanings in the in the more spiritual round. Um, one being that of home life, and then the other, which I think is really cool, it it symbolizes the flow of happiness. See, poor happiness and glassy. I like you like how I tie that all together. I'm oh such, you like it? So, <laughs> and here's a really interesting thing. They say if age appears in your dreams, um, it's supposed to be a sign of positivity and empowerment. And sha, right? And then if you have H in your name, that's a whole nother thing. It means that heaven luck follows you. And what heaven luck basically means, it's um, when you experience hardships, um, life immediately thereafter gets easy breezy for you, or at least appears to be from the outsider looking in. So all this talk about H and somebody who might like punch holes in these silly little theories that I just spouted <laughs> brings me to today's designated drinker. Please welcome to the show, the cocktail ambassador and the owner of Elixir in San Francisco, H. Joseph Ehrman. Welcome to the show, H. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Jeannie. <laughs> it's good to see you. It's great to see you too. I love it. 3,000 miles. And you're so close. I, I can touch your face. <laughs> anyway so H tell me do you think all of this any of that hold water all that shit I just spewed yeah all of it especially the drink <laughs> I, should but of be, course. I should be in more I should be in more people's dreams <laughs> well you know who says you're not who says you're not so how are things out on the um, west coast we got an east coast west coast thing going today you know, it's it's uh, it's probably as weird as everywhere else. I think, but maybe for a little bit longer. I think we were like what, the first city or one of the first cities to get locked down. So uh, for the right reasons, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's, you know, I think uh, the uh, reality of what the next six to 12 months plus are going to look like is starting to hit home a little. Um, and uh, for me, at least in my thinking, and that's, sure. uh, that's kind of my big development this week. Yeah, I mean, how could it not? I mean, it's a it's it's a unfortunate time. Um, yeah, I mean, COVID's a real thing. It's funny, as, you know, he, she, it, whatever it, it may be. Um, it's it's real. It's very. It's it, we make we make light of it, especially here on the show. Um, but I know Gina and and the both of you can could tell the real side of this story. Um, absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, and we, we've got our governor and our mayor in the last couple of days both talking about. Um, stage two, how things are going to get st- start getting turned back on. So the conversation's shifting that way right now. And um, being a bar, you know, we, I know, like, I'm not even paying attention yet. I haven't paid attention to a lot of that stuff for a long time because I'm like, we were the first ones to be shut down. We're going to be the last ones to turn on. So I don't, I don't need to watch the politics and, you know, I just need to focus on my business, my family and Absolutely. So you've been doing some innovative things during COVID. Um, what what has been happening? What have you been doing? I know you're keeping yourselves busy, keeping as many employees as you can um, employed. Right? Yeah. Well, not employed, unfortunately, but paid at least. We just uh, yeah. we just took in our first chunk of money on our our GoFundMe campaign, which was half of our goal of fifteen thousand. We got just just dispersed about seventy five hundred dollars to all my team. Uh, wrote the checks on Monday. So it was good to put some money in their pocket. Um, and, uh, you know, right away when it happened, I just, uh, I leaned on my entrepreneurial background and um, I mean, I didn't even lean on it. Just, you know, just kicks in second nature, just kicked in. Thunderbird. Yeah. My thunder, some, some of my MBA skills as well as just, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. And, you know, I mean, the first realization was I, I have no income. I, what I normally sell is not sellable. So what do I, what can I do to sell something? And I don't, I don't want charity. I want, you know, I need to be able to adjust, realize right away, this is, this is going to be a while. This is, you know, impacting the entire year and then probably follow on years, but definitely this year. So I need to move fast and now. So the first thing I did was, was start selling gift cards. Um, that worked, you know, with the idea of like, Hey, yeah, unfortunately, I had just paid a bunch of bills right before this hit, and so I was cash poor as a business. There was no money in the bank account, and uh, it was halfway through the month, and bills were coming. So it was a matter of, it was just like, you know, gift cards were like, hey, give me money now. I'll give you drinks later. I need money now. I, I got nothing else to sell. I got, you know, everything else is going to take a while. Um, and then, and also at the same time, it was shut stop the bleeding, shut off all the bills, call all your vendors, um, you know, clean up the bar, make sure nothing goes moldy, clean out the fridge. We did deep clean right away, brought in my cleaning crew. I'm like, let's lock it down, clean it all up so we can mothball it for a while. And, um, and then a few days later, the, the California ABC opened up the ability to, to sell retail and, and do delivery, although they still screwed bars by not allowing us to sell cocktails that you hit the, our rule here in California is that you have to have a, a kitchen and serve food with the sale of individual cocktails. Oh, so we kind of got screwed there because, you know, I'm arguably one of one of the people and one of the businesses that helped create bring back cocktail culture and and uh, the government. Wait, saying, you can't sell you can't cocktails. No. 
not by my license type. It's called a type 48 license. A type 47 is a, is a uh, full liquor with food. And the rule is if you, if, in order to sell individual cocktails to go, that there's a number of stipulations, but the main thing is you have to be, you have to sell food with every cocktail. And I don't that's, have that's very, that's very similar to the Virginia laws. Um, but that's uh, easy too. That's, that's everywhere. Yeah. You have to sell liquor with food, but there's like no way to pivot that and be like, he's a bag Maybe. of chips. Or chips no, they're, spe they're specific about that. You actually have to have a kitchen. You have to have a kitchen and faci kitchen facilities. I guess that's the one thing that is different here in Virginia. That's always the law, right? Gina, you have to be able to serve, to serve alcohol. Um, there has to be a, a food. Um, not with a tavern license, but in Virginia, yes, where you yeah, are, saying, yeah, yes, over the bridge. But where we are in DC, you don't necessarily need to serve food. And DC granted the tavern, the tavern license here, um, and you could give as little as chips or a sandwich or I don't know, a bag yeah. of flour. I mean, whatever, just some kind of edible item. Which, you know, I could, we have a prep kitchen and I could, I, you know, I've, I thought about doing, you know, we have crock pots and you use instant pot and like create batches of things you could sell by the pint or the quart. And, but I looked at it, it was, you know, the ROI is, is not there to, to oh. start up a whole operation of something I don't normally do. So we kicked in pretty heavy on the delivery and the delivery business is going well. So great. Uh, that's, Welcome that's to our delivery main. business. What are you delivering? How are we doing that? We're delivering um, full bottles of uh, spirits, beer, wine, mixers, um, other ingredients for making drinks. I've put together a number of cocktail kits, uh, including my, I have a, a line of uh, cocktail mixers called Fresh Victor. It's that, new. Uh, awesome. Talk about yeah. it. Cactus, this is, uh, cactus pear and pomegranate. This is, this is the cactus pear and pomegranate. Um, you know, this, these were both pretty big yesterday. This is the Mexican lime and agave. Makes a nice. perfect margarita. Everything mixes two to one. These are our 16-ounce packs, which just launched at, at uh, retail in the Bay Area. We've got them at Drager's supermarkets throughout the Bay Area. Um, Willow's Market in Menlo Park. I'm selling them through Elixir to places all over the city, and we're trying to open up other accounts. We have seven other flavors. Uh, we generally have been selling in 64 ounce pack for uh, bars and restaurants around the country. We do, we do a lot of business with Disney Epcot Center and casinos in Vegas, hotel accounts like that. Um, but that all dried up. So we our quick pivot as a company for Fresh Victor was to, to launch our consumer line earlier than we had anticipated. Uh, actually, uh, today's Wednesday, about two weeks from today, we hope to launch direct to consumer sales through freshvictor.com. I love that. Uh, yeah. That'll be national. We have national distribution. So we, we just started hearing this week that some of the East Coast is starting to turn on. So some of our accounts on the East Coast are starting to order again. And then the retailers here in the Bay Area that are selling our stuff, you know, we created this, the 16 ounce, everything mixes two to one. So the 16 ounce um, makes five drinks, you three ounces of this, ounce and a half of tequila, and you've got a perfect margarita shaken with ice. There's no dilution. It's a mixer. So, uh, but you know, with this, you've got 64 ounces, so you've got 20 cocktails in here. And I don't understand why that's a problem, H. I don't understand the size. Why is that it's an not issue? A, I well, mean, you come know, on now. Well, I guess you, our perspective. It's COVID. We got a lot of drinking to do. 
our, no. our, pers our perspective was that that was that was on premise and the other was for consumer and and the, the, the retail outlets have sold out of that and they're asking for the 64 ounce now they're, they're going to sell the 64 ounce in supermarkets to consumers which takes a lot of shelf space so <laughs> we're excited so that's awesome. that's another pivot that's keeping very active we're selling a ton of these cocktail kits through through uh, elixirsf.com backslash elixir dash delivery. So that's very complicated, but don't worry. So we're going to have all that at, where are we going to put that up, Gina? Where's that? What's our address? Um, designateddrinker.show. Absolutely. One more time. What was that? That is designateddrinker.show. <laughs> so we'll make sure that we have um, a link to all of our listeners. So if they can order that um, nationwide when it happens or if it's happening, let's, let's make yep. sure all of our, you know, our listeners are, are are drinkers for sure, damn it. Our listeners buy everything, so we're into them. Absolutely. So, 100% buy H's mixers, get them delivered to your house, and then we'll have H just post up some recipes and you can just make cocktails or go to his website. Um, and and we, just, we just launched all of our social media too, so people can follow Fresh Victor Cocktails on Instagram, Fresh Victor awesome. Mix on Twitter. What is, so it's Fresh Victor and that's it? Fresh Victor Cocktails is the Twitter, is the Instagram, and Fresh Got Victor it. Mix is Twitter, because Fresh Victor Cocktails is too long for a Twitter handle. <laughs> all right. With all that, Gina, you know what I think it's time for? I think it's time for a shot. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Let's do a little tequila, shall we? Yes, absolutely. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Or salud. <laughs> salud, oh. little post-cinco. Post yes. Yeah, you, know, you gotta take a you know take a little hair off of the dog, from the hair of the dog. Is that what it is? Sorry. I brought all this great a little fucking hair off of this COVID bullshit. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Can we have like one more thing go wrong? Could one more thing go wrong? Is there? You know, actually, I really want to ask you this question because um, I don't think that people quite understand. I, what I fear is that when restaurants and it's already happening in the U.S., which is. Uh, uh, premature in my uh, little very humble opinion but when um when the when they come down and say okay you can only have 25 percent of capacity <laughs> and your restaurants are open i don't think the average consumer understands what that really means because they'll be like oh the restaurants are open no problem but i mean you really only have a 25 you'll have a 25 percent capacity cap on that can you guys talk a little bit about what that how that how you think that's going to, is that going to work? Is that going to fucking work? Well, I'll let H go first or I can go. It's up to you. Um, you know, with Elixir is only a thousand square feet. So at 20% capacity, 25% capacity, we're looking at about 20 people, which, you know, 20, 25 people spread around the bar is possible. Be, I mean, also how, how's that going to work? Like if you're a couple, can you sit next to each other? Are you, you know, how do you police that, that? You know, that's a, if that keeps up throughout the day, through open hours, it's sustainable. It's okay. It's a, it's, you know, that's Monday. Yeah. But <laughs> is that sustainable Monday. for your, for, for your bar ongoing though? That's, that's my no, fear no. is that from, no. a, I mean, you, you yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you I know, just... and also one of the things I was talking about with somebody else's, uh, another bar owner was the idea of like, uh, doing either, a an entry fee or like he was calling it a power hour. Just like, you know, mm -hmm. you want to come in, sit down, 45 bucks, open bar. Like you want to ensure that people that are coming and taking seats are spending enough money. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Enough money. H that's the best thing I've heard 
since this thing started. Nobody has been able to navigate that pain of 20. I haven't heard one person say that, not the restaurant association, not anybody. It's kind of ridiculous. I think that's, that's an interesting point of view. I think that is, I mean, that's the first time I've heard that, but, um, I think that's all about messaging too. I think that's going to be really important from an average consumer, from a patron's point of view. I, I think that, um, you know, the average, like they just don't know, they don't understand, well, you're open. Why is this an issue? Um, but turning tables and filling your bar, filling your restaurant. I mean, all of that, it has comes in with a, a business plan, right? Like you need to make, serve so many dishes at this, at this, uh, with an ROI of X in order for you to be successful. Um, it, and having a, a, you're right. And you call, you know, a camper, it will ruin all that because you, you, so listeners don't go and hang out in a bar and not buy. <laughs> but I think having a, an entry, um, that's genius. I, I agree, Gina. That's uh, at least a minimum spend. You know, you have to do the math. If, if you, people don't, so many people don't think of bar owners as, as legitimate business people. We have to run numbers and say, I'm going to need at least this much revenue per day in order to have a, in order to have a margin and be able to survive. And so if you can break that down and say, listen, if you're going to walk in, I can only fit 25 people. If you've got a minimum spend, you have to spend at least this much money. And that's on your bill before yeah. tax, before tip. Yeah. Do you think you could roll that in, Gina? You, is that something that you think you could no. apply? Not in DC. Everybody here wants everything for $4.99. And that's not possible during COVID. But for us, that license, that carry license is super important for us to keep here until we're allowed to have at least 50 to 75% occupancy. Again, H and I share the same problem. I have a thousand square feet here in uh, Capitol Hill. And Union Market is larger, but my bar there is only 330 square feet. So technically by law, I can't have anybody come to my bar in that space at all until there are zero cases of COVID, which by the way, is not gonna happen anytime soon. Yeah. So what I mean, really I mean, needs to happen I mean, for eight- Your other places place shut down. I mean that, that whole- food Union Market shut down. It's shut down completely until, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you just can't, there's no navigation of it, but the smart thing to do, and, and you know, you can't be mad at anybody because no one can see this coming except for Wimbledon. Wimbledon knew it was coming. Pandemic insurance, amazing. Um, is, is that we left ourselves completely vulnerable for the fact that we could have no revenue. And the fact of the matter is, is that New Orleans is actually a brilliant city because they have always had a carry license. So imagine you can go to any bar that you ever wanted to go to, no matter what, could be, you know, uh, the most famous and get a Ramos Gin Fizz at, um, you know, the Roosevelt Hotel. You could go to uh, Leone and get yourself a Vicare. It doesn't matter. You can take those drinks and go, right? There is no reason why a walkable city such as San Francisco or D.C. for this period of time couldn't grant that license in order for us to survive as a metropolis of what we are and actually and actually prevail and like do i feel bad for everybody in the restaurant business right now i do i think this this just fucking sucks but we left ourselves completely vulnerable and we have no voice in legislation to turn those heads the same way say like um a car dealership does right i happen to have a brother-in-law that owns a, a car dealership in new york and let me tell you something right now because 
the way that their car dealerships are represented in, represented in, represented in. <laughs> Somebody talks about them. <laughs> in legislation, in the Senate, in the, in the House. More tequila, please. No, I'm not kidding. They are able to have you come in, buy a car, have your car service, do all these things because legislation says you're allowed and it made them important. Now, yeah. is it important to buy a brand new car during COVID? It isn't. But yeah. they made them, but they have such good lobbyists and representation that makes them important. We need to stop, as, a, as a, an association, telling other people the other restaurant's bad or we won this award so we're better. It's like somehow have a common knit or thread or a blanket or quilt, however you need to put those words together and make us have a united voice. And not be like this guild and that guild and this representation or National Restaurant Association versus local restaurant association. All of us. So we have one voice. And this is this is this is our eye opener. We need to grow up. We need yeah. to grow up as as a business, as ownership, as everything. Not everybody in our businesses have gone to, you know, graduate school for business, right? And then like, or myself, we've gone to, you know, have a graduate degree. Doesn't, that it doesn't exist for everybody. And like, everybody still plays cat and like, you know, oh, I'm friends with you. And then they're not, you need to, everyone needs to be together. No matter if you all serve tacos, then there should be a taco alliance within <laughs> the National Restaurant Association where if everybody that sells tacos in the United States has a voice, it would be so much stronger than you trying to like, stand on the little soapbox in the middle of Washington, these things saying, we need representation because no one can hear you. Yeah, I but think the hard thing is that, the, that those issues are very localized, you know, like, like I was saying, my license type 48 license in California is different from a type 47 license. And that's different from the way that licenses are handled in Washington, DC or anywhere else. Yeah. So I, we bars, bars without food, just straight up bars don't exist in a lot of places. A lot of places have a requirement. You have to have food, but for us, we're like at the bottom of the totem pole. And as usual in this, puritanical American political way, we are getting the foot put on our heads as a subset of restaurants. They, they continually clump us in with restaurants. And then like California has done, everybody but bars. Facebook and Salesforce are doing these $10,000 grants to small business. But you know who's not allowed? Bars. Restaurants really? are allowed. Bars are not allowed. Taverns oh, aren't either. Age. They're they're happy to they're happy to have their celebrations in our bars. They're happy to get together and have drinks and write their business plans and raise their capital and do everything else in bars. And then all of a sudden they come around and they say bars can't get this money. Why not? That's really interesting. I did. It's, it makes it, no sense. I, I will say that um, you know uh, I say this all the time just so that there's a level setting of my background knowledge. I'm not from the food and beverage industry. I'm a creative director from advertising and getting in and doing this with Gina. I mean, the concept of this is a branding platform. We're going to talk or have a good time. We're talking about like making drinks and here's the recipes and um, and help at home bartenders. You know, like make amazing cocktails like Gina or, or you would make H like how, how does, and it came from my friends would come to my house and I would have these parties and I would do these drinks. They're like, Oh my God, how did you know how to do that? And I was like, uh, I Googled a recipe, you know, like you do most things. Um, so it seemed like there was, there was a space for this. And it, but what I didn't anticipate was meeting more and more people from the industry and learning so much about the industry and, and learning how to your point, that it is not seen as a um, a grown up 
business, which is ridiculous because you are part of the fabric of our neighborhoods. You actually make our neighborhoods what they are. I, where I live, I have, I have my favorite places and I know every bartender's name and, and that becomes a part of why I love living where I live. And I'm sure, I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. Absolutely. Everyone has their favorite restaurants or favorite bars. They're places that they go that to, to your point, celebrate. It seems like, it seems like the only people who don't are the lawmakers. And they're they're the ones that drink the most, god damn it. <laughs> they're hypocrites. They are Imagine hypocrites. That. Okay, on that note, let's no, have I won't want to say let's I think that all of those lawmakers, I think anybody that makes a decision for a restaurant, a mayor, a fucking deputy mayor, a president, I don't give a shit. Unless you've cleaned a walk-in, unless you've worked 18 hours behind the stick, unless they know what a call out is. And what that means to you and what it means to work a double when your feet hurt so much and they're sweating and your shoes are actually soggy, but you can't fucking move because you've been there so long. For 20 years straight. For 20 years. So you know what I hear? I hear there's a calling. Bullshit. Uh, This is what I think. And then the PPP and all this stuff that you can't get because some person, you didn't check the right fucking box. Don't fucking come to a restaurant ever again. Don't tell me how to run my business. Like, be in my business. I don't pretend to know that I know everything about your insurance company or running the government or I understand why you put 18% tax on one thing and 1% on the other. You need to respect what we do. We give a trillion dollars of revenue to the fucking economy every year. So you know what that says. You know what I'm hearing. You make 5%. So what? You know that's what I hear? More than the dog catch. That's more than the people that got the PPP for being a fucking dog groomer. So you know what I hear? I hear a calling. I hear a calling for you to step up and and, and go into legislation. Hmm. What me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. go in there and piss them all off, Gina. You know, eight she'd burn that capital down. <laughs> I'm only five, I'm only four blocks from it. I don't know if that's an idle threat or not. I'm not sure. <laughs> She'd burn that bitch down. I'll be the person behind there. Be like, you want your garbage picked up ever again? Sign the fucking document. <laughs> She's so New York. It's ridiculous. People will fucking do shit when they have 19 garbage bags in front of their house. They'll be like, I'll sign the fucking document. What people <laughs> don't want is garbage. She's going to be knocking <sighs> people's knees. <laughs> bitch, sign it. All right. Who's making the cocktail? Is it H or Gina? Come on now. I need a drink. Who's making this cocktail? All right. right. Cocktail time. All right. So, just so you know, folks, this is the beauty of having these people in your life. You're like, make me a cocktail. And they're they're like the (laughs) best people in the nation making a cocktail. So, listen up. All right. So, the the the, uh, stay at home. People, what do they call them? Sip cocktails, quarantini. I'm calling them the uh, um, stuck at home bartender. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I drink cocktails at home, I, I drink simply. Like I, I generally work off of two formulas, either an old fashioned or a highball. I'm, you know, I'm not into making, grabbing more than three or four ingredients. Um, so uh, highballs are what I drink when I want something crisp and refreshing and, and uh, old fashions or, or spins are, are what I drink when I'm kind of sitting and sipping. So um, this is a highball that, um, the other thing about making drinks at home in, in this time and when you're not getting out, I don't know about you, but I'm the only one in my family going to the supermarket and I'm doing it every two to three weeks and I'm dropping five, $600 each time because this is San Francisco. Yeah. And, well, DC's um, not much different in that in that note either. That's for three. 
That's for two adults and a seven-year-old. Yeah. Um, no, no booze involved. I got plenty of booze. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you, you have to use what you have around the house, and and like so. I don't cocktail a lot. We have we keep some sugar around the house, but we don't really use much sugar in it. But we have it. So I can make simple syrup, and we keep a lot of honey and other sweeteners. So you have to have a sweetener, and, and you look at you look at your pantry for what kind of sweeteners you have. And then sour, you, you're going to get from your lemons and limes. If you keep them around, you can make yourself some sours. Um, and I like to keep some soda water and tonic, and we have some various ones around. So this is a gin and tonic that I'm making with uh, some, most of my home bars, vintage collection stuff. So this is an older bottle of Plymouth. Um, this is the redesign from when the cocktails. So you actually still. Kind of this is the difference between H and the rest of us folks. He actually mi mixes it. Like the rest of me, like, oh my god, it's like, save it. And here you mix it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this, yeah, this is my home bar. It's a it's a Victorian uh, sideboard from uh, I bought That's down awesome. in Monterey, and. Um, so anyway, I'm using some Plymouth Gym, nice classic juniper forward style gin. I'm just gonna put an ounce and a half of this in my highball glass. And these in are a highball some, glass? Let me grab that. Yeah. These are some vintage highball glasses that I I keep my, you know, I, I think vintage barware is, is great cool for, is for your home bar. Yep. And so how these. much did you I, pour pour in? I'm sorry, I missed that. Ounce and a half. Ounce and a half <laughs> to two ounces, depending on how much okay. booze you want. Um I, I'm gonna do two of these and the other one I'm gonna use square it's COVID. one. Basil. Go go big or go home, right? Yeah. The other one I'm going to use is Square One Basil, and uh, Square One is a brand that um, is close to my heart. I helped create this product with Allison yeah. Evanoff, and, yes. uh, and she's been on the show. She's wonderful. Yeah, I know. I saw that episode, and uh, and she introduced me to Gina, but she was the one that when I when I was the brand ambassador for for Square One, we we she and I did a trip to DC. We did several from that point on, but um, she was like, "You got to meet this." Gina, she's <laughs> this these Gina. amazing drinks. <laughs> and so uh, we we just you know that's where Gina and I bonded. <laughs> it's that <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I think Gina was hitting the tequila a little early. Um, we may have been H. We may have been just so you know. <laughs> Cannot tell. So this why. is a this is a higher proof. All the square one flavored vodkas are higher proof than normal. They're eighty proof instead of seventy. And this is a, a basil, but it's got eight different botanicals in it. Four different kinds of basil. So it's got all of that. Um, rich botanical complexity with a basil forward flavor. It's and my a favorite. Good proof. So I'm using an ounce and a half of that in my other one. Both of these, basically, the idea is botanical complexity. I mean, you could you could use lots of other stuff. Uh, this would probably work with Ijo, which is not botanical, but it seems it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Aquavit, um, some other stuff like that because mm -hmm. you're going to be leaning on the sour from we're, we're going to be using sauerkraut in this so you're leaning on the sauerkraut brine for some flavor and then a little bit of sauerkraut and garnish so that vegetal the sourness from the kraut and the and the vegetal component work really well with all the botanicals Sounds i'm going to top um i'm going to put ice right into my glass right in the glass of ice right in the glass because this is a this is a high ball so we're we're building it which means we're making it in the glass that we're serving it in and I'm gonna um, top these, not top these off yet, actually. I'm gonna use some some sauerkraut brine. And I save, we eat a lot of sauerkraut in my house from good quality fermented sauerkraut. It's important, the fermented side is great, it's good for your probiotics. I drink this all the time um, when once the kraut is gone, I always keep it around in an extra jar to, just to sip on it because it's it's got all kinds of health benefits. So I'm gonna put, um, 
about three quarters of an ounce to an ounce. I would or start at a half ounce if you like. Um, the, you know, the, one of the things about building recipes to understand your own palate is uh, put in a little bit first. You can always add more. It's impossible to take it out. The same so, thing with like anything sweet. Like when you when we have simple syrups, I'm I'm always a little less on on the simple because that's the way I like my cocktails. Doesn't mean it's right for everyone else, but yeah. Exactly. You have to know your sweet sour balance, your sweet bitter balance, and um, if I you, have a lot of Gina in my life, so I have a yeah. lot of sweet. <laughs> if you go to if you go to with too much of an ingredient, then you end up trying to compensate by adding more and adding more, and eventually you have too much volume. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to get to inch your way up and find. That's kind of how stuff. I feel with COVID a little too much volume, but you know, Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on top of this, now I'm going to, uh, I've got my kraut, uh, brine in there. I'm going to top this off with some tonic water. Oh, tonic water. And, uh, any good preference quality of tonic, tonic water? Is there, is there one that you, is your go-to at home? Um, my, I have, I, you know, I keep, uh, both Q and, and, uh, um, Fever Tree. Fever Tree. And I actually have some London Essence as well. I, lo- I like all three of those. Oh, I, I don't even know Seagram's. that one. London Essence. London Essence is a newer one oh. on the U.S. market. It's obviously. We don't have that here. I was like, is that an East Coast thing? <laughs> okay. No, it's national now. Um, but he was out of London. Um, and, um, so you know, basically a good classic tonic water is good. There's all kinds of flavored tonic waters and tonic twists, so you can go in other directions and play with it. But this is just kind of classic tonic with, with the kraut. Um, so start there before you start deviating into other flavor pro, uh, um, profiles. I've got some organic raw. This isn't organic. I think this one. It's just I have raw. mine right here. Um, sauerkraut from Sonoma County. I'm just going to put a blob of that on top as my garnish and this both like shows obviously it plays off the kraut brine as an ingredient um and highlights that but it's also fun because as you drink through the drink um oh and you know what i missed i messed up you you probably want to well you probably want to give that a stir before you garnish it but uh, either way look at me I actually, I actually did that. And and I love the fact that I even like did something that H didn't tell me to do, which was actually the right thing to do. Oh my God, I'm getting all grown up. (laughs) Finally listening, folks. It took, it took H to do it, Gina. It took 134 episodes and H to do it. Only 123. 123, whatever. Well, the nice thing about this garnish is much like mint leaves, once you mix it in, it's going to be integrated throughout. And as I was about to say, the nice thing about this garnish is as you sip through it, you get little bits of sauerkraut in your mouth and that you can chew on. And it's like these nice little bursts of flavor and sourness and crispness texture um, as you sip through. And uh, the basil <laughs> works wonderfully with the... Uh, with the Gina, Gina's like double, double, double sipping. She's on a, she's on a double date by herself. <laughs> I think that's a, I think that would be a threesome. <laughs> that's a whole nother show, H. That's a whole nother show. <laughs> On a different channel. So, Gina, what did you add to yours? I did exactly what everybody else did. However, I did, um, so this is H's cocktail. And then I did this one with a little bit of um, sauerkraut and um, jalapeno infused sauerkraut water. 
And then just need a little bit of kick. And that's it. That was the only difference. Is that, do you make sauerkraut? I mean, it goes so, so we well use, you make it from home. We, we get buckets of sauerkraut from this company here called Number One Sons. <laughs> and they do a cold ferment sauerkraut, which I love. And then we take, we get a five gallon bucket of it and then we split it. And we do half of it with caraway and then we do half of it spicy. And we use the spicy one on our um, bandito sandwich and it's really delicious. Oh, that's my favorite. I get it every time. It's, oh, God, I miss that. I, I and I also you, like it in the wrap too. When you start offering wraps. When I'm allowed out in public again, I'm not sure if my drinking is going to be socially acceptable because <laughs> your drink sounds like a good idea to me. Well, you know, like what I really I'm, like about like, this, I'm sorry, just knowing your flavor profiles, um, I really like uh, dirty martinis and I always joke and say I like mine filthy, downright filthy. And this really fits into my flavor profile because especially adding the, the, the sauerkraut, I really enjoy <laughs> that brine. I don't know what Gina's doing, but I, and I like the, the add of the, um, uh, so it's actually, it's like me in a glass because my mother is German, my father is Mexican. So if I add the jalapeno and I have kraut, it's me in a glass, a little effervescent. Nice. You can't see the the magnifying glass. It's amazing. No, we it's can't. We're laughing at you. I'm just trying to keep my composure. If you're zooming, folks, if you're listening to this and it's still COVID, and you're like, "What the fuck?" It's or, gonna be. It's we're on YouTube. All these like Janice are amazing. Hundred years from now, and you're like, "What was COVID?" Just like I thought, Spanish <laughs> influenza was in like, "What is that?" I don't think anybody's gonna forget this anytime soon. No, well, we, we, we all know what the Spanish flu is. Eventually, and then someone's got to remember, right? Get a magnifying glass because it makes it so much more interesting. <laughs> We're like, what are you doing? Where did you find that? Why this is your new toy? Hundred percent. Like. Find it. I own it. I'm a hoarder. I have all kinds of junk. Have you met a bartender? <laughs> I'm like one step away from living in a cave by the ocean and selling you fucking <laughs> weird little like nomadic <laughs> trinkets for fucking bartering you for salt during a whatever. I, bartenders will survive. H, are you a hoarder like Gina? She's like just threw you all I, in one into one boat. I used oh, I used to be more. I used to be more of a hoarder, but my you know uh, when I was single. Oh, somebody brought sense <laughs> to your life. Is that what it is? <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. My my husband took my hoarding down like forty five percent. That doesn't mean that I open more restaurants and put more shit other places. Yeah, that's. Hilarious. I went through a major. I went through a major. Uh, I had to get rid of, I had to get out of two storage units and consolidate to one last year. And now I'm trying to get out of the one. You know, it's funny that I say that. Actually, one of our very first early, early episodes was with Dale DeGroff. And he was talking about getting rid of all of his glassware because he had too much of it. And Gina was like, I'll drive up to New York and get it. I did. I got it. I got it. We auctioned it off for charity. Oh, wow. And Dale and Jill just moved or they're in the process of moving. So I'm sure they were shedding a bunch of other stuff as well that was that was this was a few years ago we, we auctioned it off at repeal day and it went along with his book because it was all the glassware he used to shoot two of his books and then like we gave it as like a um an auction item and people were like that's the glasses i'm like yep but we went there and packed it up and brought it down and Jill's like get it out of here and we're like great and we like and we auctioned it but it's it's so true that like i think we we tend to have that moment where we're like, oh my God, I just love soda glasses. It's the most amazing thing. And then that leaves you. And then you're like, oh my God, I love Nick and Nora's. And you have every Nick and Nora. And then that thing leaves you. And then all of a sudden you have like thousands of each one. You're like, oh, am I going to do all this shit? Because you don't want to get rid of it because it took you so long to collect it. 
and then you can't live with it because your spouse is going to kill you. So what do you do? It's a trial yeah. tribulation of being a hoarder, I think, is what we're talking about, which is a little universal. I mean, I don't like a disgusting yeah. hoarder where I'm like. Well, that's why, like, the home bar becomes the cream of the crop. Like, I, I've had so much stuff here. And, you know, like, when Angie and I moved in together, I had cases of booze in my house. And we moved in together. And I had, a, you know, I took cases of booze back to the bar to sell it. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, and the same thing happened with the glassware. It's like, where are we going to put all this glassware? I had, uh, I had, I was taking up cabinet space with all this glassware. Like, we barely drink at home. We don't need all these glasses. There's such nice vintage garware. You can't throw this stuff away. So in <laughs> Old Town Alexandria, there's a little store that we've done the show out of called The Hour. And she has all this beautiful vintage glassware. Yep, Victoria. And we were doing some, we did this really wonderful episode there. And it was funny as Gina was like, oh my God, Louise, do not sneeze. Do not turn around. Wash that glass carefully. Like I, I got so many instructions the whole time. But of course, great appreciation for Victoria having us in our store. But some of the things I looked at, and I was like, oh my God, like $400 for like uh, four little glasses. So it's a hundred bucks a pop. And I was like, oh my God, from my mother had ninety-eight. They're needle and thread. They, they survived 110 plus years. But the thing is, my point is that my mother had them. And when she passed, we just basically boxed it up and took it to the Goodwill. Cause no one that's of where us- I buy. That's where I bought. That's where I went. I bought- I bought these at Goodwill, and I have a I have a hard two dollar rule. I don't buy anything that's over two dollars. <laughs> you know, Three dollars awesome. for that glass? You're crazy. What if you saw that's Dorothy Thorpe? <laughs> what if you had vintage Dorothy Thorpe's dipped in silver? Oh, they had them there because I remember you you used those for the for the actual episode, and you're like, gave me like, don't you know who that is? And I'm like, no. So I. Well, that's what I'm saying. H. That's when the hard two dollar rule goes right out the window. You're like, well, they are silver dipped. I'll buy them. Yeah. Anyway, so, anyway, right, Gina, so let's let's do our housekeeping if we shall we um, if you're going to you're going to want this cocktail with uh, with sauerkraut and gin and it's stunning. It's lovely. It's H's amazing cocktail. Gina, where are they going to go to get this recipe? You're going to go to Elixir and pound on the door and hope they open it. Where are they going <laughs> to make it at home because they can't travel yet? <laughs> Nobody can get their ass on a plane. <laughs> you're going to get. You're gonna have to pass the interview too. It's gonna be first of all, uh, okay, hours to get in. Exactly. I want to know how you voted. I want to know what you think about this. Have you talked to your congressperson? I'm taking your temperature, and I need to know your politics, <laughs> <Yeah>. bitch. <laughs> that is the truth. All right, you're gonna go to designated drinker dot show. What? Designated drinker dot show. Yep. And so we're gonna have H's recipe, which is quite. We're very honored to have that there, and we'll have all of Gina's recipe. Let me talk about the the, the the what I called it the G. GTS. Oh, gin tonic what? sauerkraut. There you go. Jits. And GTS. And, and it's, I, like I was thinking, when I was thinking about it, it was like what they use for a grand touring sedan, a grand touring, um, I forget what the Italian is for cars. But then when I looked it up, there was like some funny, kinky other things GTS is used for. <laughs> Listen, I like the GTS. I used to have a drink on my menu called uh, GH uh, Sazerac because when I was in San Francisco, San Francisco. What? <laughs> when I was in San Francisco, H made this drink with like a wine-based Sazerac, and it was so delicious. My Sazerac. Yeah, and I came back. This yes, and I came back to DC, and I did it with Pinot Noir, and it was my my homage to H, and I had it on my menu literally for like 
I don't even know, three years. I couldn't take it off. People loved it. And it was called the, it was called the G and then the teeny G and then a big H Sazerac. And people were like, why do you call it that? And I'm like, well, H made the drink and he did it with straws. And then I changed it into a Pinot Noir. Clearly it didn't matter. It was this brilliant idea on this, on simple syrup. But like, it was so nice because like, to put like a mentor on your menu, I know it sounds so stupid, but you put a mentor on your menu, that is a huge compliment. Cause like, I don't know, it just shows your appreciation and love for the learning. And like, I love when people like come and like they do something I do and like they, they do something different on it. And like, I never think of it as a riff. I think of it as like, you couldn't write me a better thank you letter. Does that make sense? Like that. Yep. I agree. So is that wait? I mean, is that the trip? Is that when you were at um, Elixir and you got like you, you slightly overserved, maybe? Or that was recently. That was in no, that was, uh, overserved. In first, <laughs> that was oh. with that was with James Beard Foundation. I was definitely overserved, but I also paid the bill, so James Beard is off the off the <laughs> the uh, trouble for it. Off yeah. the hook. There you go. Off All the right, trouble. Gina, I gotta you know, stop you know what time it is? You know what time it is? what Your question time it is my question all right so in this day and age of people identifying themselves with a spirited animal and you're like or spirited person like the tiger king you're like i am the tiger king i want to know what your spirited ingredient would be and why and how do they define you one thing it could be spirited or an ingredient but something that defines you and your personality Um, I think, uh, that would be probably whiskey, whiskey in general, because it's such a big part of, uh, of what I do on a day to day with, you know, elixir, a a whiskey bar with over 600 whiskeys on the shelf. Um, it is, can be made from all kinds of grains. It's made from all the, in all different cultures and processes with different flavor profiles and, and portrays itself in different ways. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, it, it encompasses so many cultures and traditions and that I'm close with that, that touch, uh, my, my background and my, my family. And, um, and it's something that I just love. Uh, it makes me, uh, it gets me excited to talk to people about everything that I do and it ties it all together for me. I love that. That's cool. That's cool. So I guess uh, so I just want to say on this episode, we always, you know, try to keep it a little lighthearted, it's boozy banter. Um, but I do want to thank you both for all that you're doing to keep our neighborhoods together and everything that you're going to do to move forward. And when Gina goes off to Congress or the Senate to take over the world, maybe she'll be the next, our next president. If only we'd all be that lucky. Donald Trump uh, can, anyone can. I'll be the, I'll be the next Bill Boothby. <laughs> But honestly, um, as a simple patron of many, many restaurants and bars, I just want to say thank you for all that you're doing. Um, We're going to work really hard to help make sure that the rest of us understand what it means. Um, You guys are entrepreneurial. You work harder than most of us and and way harder than I think most people can even understand and being innovative and coming, you know, still serving families and still serving food. and cocktails. Again, thank you very much. And I, um, I just hope that we can recover from all this and you all do very, very well because you should. 
because you're very much yeah. part of the lives of every person uh, in the United States. And, or maybe not, maybe people who live out in the middle of the woods doesn't matter much, but for the rest of us, it means a lot. So um, anyway, thank you. Thank you. So thank you. I Thanks tried. for having me. I drank a lot today, so, you know. <laughs> The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. To learn more about HCOA or to find out about Missing Link's other podcasts, head over to missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.